Hey guys, I have a question for you. How do you spread abundance? This year, Joe and I are spreading even more abundance by giving out insights on money, wealth strategies, and resources in our current newsletter, Creating Abundance in 52 Weeks, that we want to share with you for free. So sign up right now as you're listening to this episode on our website at www.abundantculture.co. That's .co slash newsletter, www.abundantculture.co slash newsletter. Don't let delay get in the way of your abundant year. Now, back to the episode. Welcome back to Abundant Culture Podcast. Where we dissect the mindsets and tactics of the true beast of business. People like Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, and Warren Buffett. All to create a blueprint to experience life more abundantly. Hey everybody, it's Joe. Welcome back to the Abundant Culture Podcast. We're so glad to have you back again this week. Today, we're talking about the topic of marketing. And we're talking about this topic from the standpoint of somebody who's actually owned a business. So it's gonna be very, very extremely practical, tactical stuff that you can actually take away from this podcast. This specific podcast guest was part of a manufacturing company and he learned marketing from the School of Hard Knocks from having to run his own manufacturing manufacturing facility with his family. So we're going to be talking about the fundamentals of marketing, how to apply them, how to create messaging that resonates with your clients, how to put together a marketing plan, and so much more. So get ready to listen to and learn from our good friend, Tim Fitzpatrick. Hi, Tim, and thank you again for coming on to the Abundant Culture Podcast. We are super excited to have you today because we love talking about marketing. It's such a broad topic, and everybody always has a whole bunch of different answers, so we're excited to hear from you. But before we jump into the marketing piece, we have to ask you your backstory. How did you get into business? Absolutely. Uh, Joseph, Jasmine, thanks Thanks for having me. Super excited to, to chat. So uh, I'll make a long story short. You know, I, I'm, I was never one of those people that, you know, was an entrepreneur at, you know, at 10 with a lemonade stand or selling baseball cards. That wasn't my path. I, you know, I got out of college, graduated, wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I ended up getting involved in a wholesale distribution company that I became a partner of. And when I, when I got involved in that, you know, it was just going to be a short-term thing for me, really. But after three or four months, I was hooked. I loved it. We were selling consumer electronics. We we're selling home theater and, and distributed audio systems to contractors. And I was, I was hooked and I was all in at that point. And so that was really what started my entrepreneurial journey. And I managed that business for over 10 years. We grew it at about 60% a year on average before selling it. And then I stayed on with them, the company that bought us for another three years. And then I, I moved on and got involved in residential real estate. I went, I would tell you, I went from a high in the distribution business to a low in residential real estate. I found it wasn't that I, I wasn't having as much success as I wanted, but I was, I was making traction, but I was working harder than I had ever worked and making 
very little money for what I was doing. And I, I just, I did not like it day to day. I, it was a pain going to work. And I finally reached the point where I was like, I have to do something different. This is not it for me. And that's when I got involved in, in marketing and started Rialto Marketing. And even with Rialto Marketing, I had had some shifts. You know, when we first started, I got involved um, with, we were focused on mobile applications, selling them into the K-12 education space. And after doing that for about two or three years, I realized a couple of things. One, our business was heavily dependent on the, the policies of Apple and Google, which was a very vulnerable place to be. And I also realized that I did not want to work in the K-12 education space long-term. And then, so we shifted again. And I said, look, I've got to get, I loved working with contractors when I was in the distribution business. I know how to market, I know how to grow a business. We're going to shift and, and start offering much more comprehensive marketing services to small businesses and entrepreneurs. And, and that's where we're at today. So that's, that's the story. Um, why do I keep doing it? I'm addicted to the freedom and I love growing businesses. So having that freedom, doing my own thing, I think once most entrepreneurs have that, it is very difficult to go back and do anything different. So absolutely, that's why I'm here fighting the good fight every day. Absolutely. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. So how did you get your, your education and marketing? Was it from kind of just being on a ground floor and avid, having to market your own company or was it yeah. kind of like, were you formally formally educated? No, I was so I was a math major in college. Um, you know, I love numbers. I, I love systems. Um, it was really in the beginning, it was the school of hard knocks, you know, yeah. growing our distribution company, figuring out what works, what doesn't. Now with what I'm doing with Rialto marketing, it's, it's that experience, but it's also just, I am a constant learner. I think you are never done learning and there's no shortage of things to learn. Marketing is so dynamic. It is changing all the time. And so you just, it's an ongoing process. You never, you can never know enough. And so we just, we base what we do off of frameworks, things that have worked in the past, but things change. And so we have to stay abreast of that and, and, and make modifications as we see them needing to be made and then learn from those. So that's, you know, that's where it is. I also learn from a lot of other marketers. So, you know, I'm part of a, a consultant network. We bounce ideas off of each other. We talk to each other so that we can stay abreast of what's happening as things are changing. That's awesome. That is awesome. I mean, nowadays, a lot of people are, um, I guess you can call it like self-taught and don't really learn these things from college. So um, it's great that you just shared that and how your journey kind of progressed. Yeah, absolutely. One, I would tell you, I, I think college is great for the experience, but I think most people learn far more in the six months that they start their first job than they do in college. I mean, you can't, there is no substitute for actually jumping in, doing the work. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's only so much you can learn by having somebody tell you something. You actually have to do it and put it into practice. Absolutely. At least that's what I found. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so one of the questions we want to um, ask you about marketing is, uh, you know, 2020 is such a crazy year. We were just talking about yes. this before we started recording. Um, so what are some of the differences you're seeing in the marketing industry in 2020? Absolutely. So there are a couple things that I'm noticing, and, and this is really all due to COVID and dealing with this pandemic. But the first thing is we're seeing a lot more businesses who are starting to realize the importance of their online presence. 
which if it wasn't important before to them, it is now becoming very important because it's just, I mean, people go online. I don't care if you're a hundred percent referral business, people are still going online to check out your business, but because of COVID and, you know, some of the limitations in meeting with people and getting out there, a lot of business is being driven online. And if you do not have a strong online presence, a great website, good content that you're putting out there, you know, social media, search engine optimization so that people can actually find you. Um, it's it's going to make it even harder than it already is for some people. So online presence, super, super important. And you got to start making those steps to build it up. And, and if it's good, then keep working on making it even better. The other thing that I'm also finding in most industries is that content and content marketing. I, I use the term content pretty loosely. I think of content as any communication that you're putting out to prospects or current customers. So, I mean, that could be email, it could be social media, it could be blogs, videos, podcasts, all those types of things I think are content. I think content is more important than it ever has been as well, because we have to let people know we're still here, what we're doing, you know, how have our how has our business changed? You know, like, I mean, I see um, my, our daughter's orthodontist, awesome through this whole thing, letting us know, hey, here's how our, our policies have changed. Here's what we're doing to keep our staff and our people, or, you know, our people and, and our patients safe. And then there's others that aren't communicating anything. And man, that's a huge mistake because people are left to their own devices. And if they're not hearing anything, they're like, man, I think these people might be out of business. Yeah. You know, what are they doing? It doesn't give us as customers warm and fuzzy feelings about your business and what you're doing. So I think putting out content that is adding value, but also letting customers know what you're doing and how you're managing the situation is so, so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely agree. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. So what is uh, one of the most important things that you should do when it comes to uh, marketing your business, especially let's uh, talk about through uh, an online presence. Like what, what should be one of the f most important things that somebody actually does in order to kind of, if they already have one, make it better. And if they don't have one to really create one. So to me, and I think what makes my approach different than a lot of people, I, one, I like to keep things simple. I think a lot of people overcomplicate marketing, but marketing success in my opinion, all comes down to the fundamental. You know, Michael Jordan said, um, get the fundamentals down and the level of everything you do will rise. That is the same in basketball as it is in marketing, as it is in anything else in life. Yeah. The, the fundamentals, they don't change. They're the same. They're the same 50 years ago. They're going to be the same 50 years from now. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people skip the fundamentals of marketing either because they don't know them or they're not sexy. They're not cool. They just skip them. And inevitably they try different marketing tactics. They don't work and they wonder why a lot of those things can be attributed back to something that is fundamentally off. So you've got to have the fundamentals in place. They, they build a solid foundation that you can build the rest of your marketing house from. So if you skip the fundamentals, you're building a house without a foundation, which is not going to work long-term, right? Yeah. So to me, I call it the marketing strategy trilogy. So there's three, three elements there, your target market, your messaging. So how you're going to communicate with prospects and customers clearly and to engage them. And then you have to have some type of plan you can follow. So you've got to have all three of those in place. I think to have consistent long-term success. 
you know, once you have the fundamentals in place, then you can start looking at other things. But I think if you skip the fundamentals, it's, it's gonna, you're gonna run into challenges from a marketing perspective. And as a, a marketer and a business owner, could you walk us through how you help a business? Like for example, most pizza places, I know they serve pizza, but they serve pizza to pretty much anybody who wants pizza. And that might work for a pizza place, but not all businesses. I even look at some of my businesses. I like, sometimes I'll end up trying to market to everybody and I end up not really resonating with anyone. So could you walk us through how a business should one, figure out its target market and then two, tailor its message to that market? Yeah. So with your first thing with your target market is you have to identify who your ideal clients are. Most businesses have one, two, or three maybe ideal client types. All you're doing here is trying to give yourself focus and direction. You know, just because you're trying to reach three ideal client types doesn't mean you're not going to attract other people. But as you said, Joseph, you can't, if you try to market to everyone, you just don't, you don't resonate with anybody. It becomes really difficult you've got to have an idea of who your best clients are. And so for an existing business, what I usually recommend is you got to look at one, who do you love working with? Two, who do you help the most, right? Because the people that you get the best results for are going to be great clients. They're going to refer you to other people. You're going to have happy customers and the more happy customers you have, you're going to get better referrals and you're just going to, you're going to enjoy your business, Yeah. right? When you're working with clients that you don't do good work for, for, excuse me, that are a pain, you're not happy. That's no fun. That's a horrible place to be. So I think if you have existing customers, you want to look at that. You want to look at your customers that are profitable, that refer you business, that you love working with, and that you do great work for. That's the best place to start. If you identify those customers, then you can start to look at that group and inevitably patterns start to form. And when you can identify those patterns, then those group those ideal client types are naturally going to come to the surface and you go, okay, well, great. You know, out of that group of clients, we have two different patterns that are forming. These are our two different ideal client types. The other thing you can do is interview those clients too. take it a step further because we need to know our customers, their problems, their goals, what the way, what they want to accomplish better than they know themselves. We can do that. Our marketing will be really, really effective. So that's what I first recommend for people that have existing clients. If you don't have existing clients, you're just starting from scratch. You're going to have to make some educated decisions, right? And guesses, but you can do some research online. There is so much information online. You got to take a guess of who you think your target market is or who you want to target initially. Then you can go to Facebook groups, online forums, things like that, where that target market is and just observe, ask questions, but look at what kinds of questions they're asking. What kind of problems are they having? All those things will come to the surface when you can go into those groups and forums and start to engage. The other thing you can do is reach out to people in that target market to have to jump on the phone and, ha- and ask them questions just like you would with a client interview. It's gonna be a little bit harder because you don't have a relationship with those people. So you're gonna hear more no's than yeses, but all you need are five to 10 yeses, right? Yeah. You don't need a lot, but you can have those conversations, get to know them just like you would if you were doing an interview with the client. So that's where I think you should start if you're starting from scratch or you don't have existing clients. But from there, you're gonna gather a lot of really valuable information I think with your ideal, I, people call them ideal client personas. 
you know, buyer personas, avatars, you just, you can dig super deep on these things or you can keep them high level. I mean, even if you don't have any idea who your ideal clients are, if you start out with a paragraph on who client, ideal client one, two, and three is, that's a great place to start. You know, what, what are some of the basic demographics? How are they feeling? Um, you know, what, what's their thought process, right? Because a lot of times the, the psychographics are much more important than the demographics themselves, yeah. right? As a marketing company, one of the psychographics we look for is, are you committed to the growth of your business? You know, do you, are you already convinced that you need a partner to help you market your business? Because if you're not, you're not going to be a good client for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So that from a psychographic standpoint is really, really, really important for us as a company. So that's where I think you should start. And then there's two more things that you need to look at with your target market. You need to understand what the customer journey is. And the customer journey is that experience that a prospect has from the minute they think about doing business with somebody like you all the way through buying, doing repeat and referral business. We look at it as an hourglass. So there's sand at the top and it works its way down and there's seven steps. There's no like, trust, try, buy, repeat, and refer. The reason the customer journey is so important is you have to understand what their needs, what their expectations are at each phase. Mm-hmm. Because if we, if, we know, if we can identify that, then we can start to look at, as a company, what type of content or what type of systems we have to have in place to meet those needs. Because if we meet those needs, we can help people move through the journey, right? Yeah. We know what their needs are at no, we can help them get to like, trust, and then try and buy, which is what we all want to do, right? Yeah. So that's the last part of that is understanding the customer journey and then looking at the types of content and the systems we need to have in place to help people move through that journey. So that's your target market. Does that help? Absolutely. Yes. That yeah. was that was definitely a mouthful. Um, it was. It is. <laughs> and um, there was like so much in there that we could unpack. Um, but for, you know, the sake of time, I'll just... Yes. I'll just bring up um, one question that I thought of while you were talking about the target audience. So you said that we should interview, like if we have an existing business, we can interview the client. Um, Can you give us some examples of questions on what to ask? Because you said that we need to know our clients better than they know themselves. Yeah. So if we just say like, hey, so how do you feel about it? Then we might not really, you know, get to that that yep. answer. So things like when you first started searching for our company, what did you want? You know, what was your goal? What did you hope to accomplish? Um, why did you choose us? What made us different from the other providers that you spoke with? Um, what benefits have you seen in working with us? What, what have we, by working with us, what have we helped you avoid? What what consequences have we helped you avoid? What failures have we helped you avoid by working with us? Those types of things. Um, when you first started searching for a company like ours, what did you search for online? What, what words did you use? Um, are there things that we could be doing differently that would be even more beneficial for you? Um, what makes us different? from everybody else. Why do you keep working with us? Why do you continue to work with us? Those types of things. Um, you know, you can ask things about, you know, when they, do, when they did start working with us, what were, their, what were their goals? What were their expectations? It's that type of stuff. Okay. How are you feeling? How are you feeling 
before you started working with us, how are you feeling now? All of those things help you get into their head and better understand how they felt before, during, and after. Does that yeah. help? Yes, Absolutely. that definitely does. Thank you yeah. for yeah. answering that. Yep. So another thing I was wondering is, uh, so you brought up this, the idea of having a marketing plan. So what does that marketing plan consist of and would it be different for every business or even every industry? Yep. I, the way I view marketing plans, again, keeping things simple. I think that, you know, Spending money for a 15, 20, 30 page in-depth marketing plan for small businesses and entrepreneurs is a waste of time and money. It's just going to go into a drawer. It's, yeah. it's too detailed. There's too many things in there to unpack. So the way I look at marketing plans is a 90-day sprint. And especially now with how dynamic the market is, I think it's even more important than it ever has been. Our businesses are evolving as our businesses evolve, our marketing evolves. And so 90 day sprints give you a long enough period of time to look at, are we having impact? Or is this effective or not? While still being able to shift and make pivots as you need to. Mm -hmm. And so the way I look at a marketing plan, 90 day sprint, is six steps. First step is your target market, right? Who are you trying to reach? Even if, like I said before, even if you just have a summary of the one, two or three ideal clients that you're trying to reach, you gotta have that in your plan. The second step is you have to have a goal, right? What's my goal for the next 90 days? And it should be specific, you know, measurable, achievable and time bound. So that might be, I wanna bring on 10 new clients in the next 90 days. The thing that's important to remember about a goal like this is it's I, it's what I call an outcome-based goal. I think they're important, but the thing with an outcome-based goal is there are things beyond your control that are going to impact your ability to hit that. Yes, January, I set the goal that I wanted to have 10 new customers by the end of March. COVID hit. Something that is outside of my control that is impacting or could impact my ability to hit that goal. So Absolutely. I think you have to have an outcome-based goal like that just to measure and see whether it's working or not, but don't get too caught up in it. Cause if you get too caught up in it and something happens beyond your control, I think it can be kind of demoralizing, you know, to a certain extent. So you gotta have it, but don't get too focused on it. Yeah. The next thing you have to know is you gotta know what your marketing budget is and what resources you have. If it's just me and I got no budget, well then I have time. But if it's me and two staff people and I have $3,000 a month, I have a lot more to play with, right? So I can focus on more in my plan. Either one is totally okay. You just have to know what you have to work with so that when you put decide what you're going to focus on in your plan, that it's realistic, right? Absolutely. Then your fourth step is what am I currently doing? What's my current marketing plan? And you may not have a plan. That's okay. But in this section, we're looking at um, several, more than several channels of marketing. Okay. I look at strategy. So your target market and your messaging, then you've got your website, you've got content, SEO, so search engine optimization, social media, you've got email marketing, paid advertising or online advertising, and then offline marketing, which I would consider, you know, direct mail, print advertising, uh, networking groups, those types of things. So we break them into those main channels. All you want to do in this fourth step is just put in what you've done and what you're currently doing in those channels. What this does is it helps you understand where you currently are at because you have to know where you're currently at to figure out what you need to do to get to where you want to be. Right. It's no different than my GPS. My GPS can't tell me how to get to the airport unless I put in where I currently am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then your fifth step is what am I going to do in the next 90 days in those channels? Like I said before, 
you, if it's just me, I may only focus on one or two of those channels for the next 90 days. That's totally okay. But when we do this, what it does is it, it tells us when and what we're going to execute on, but it keeps us focused so that when, you know, the latest marketing guru says, oh, you need to be on TikTok this week. Yeah. And then the next week, somebody's saying, oh, you know, you, you've got to have push notifications on your website. And you're like, you know, a squirrel trying to find a nut going all over the yeah. place. You can come back to your plan and go, nope, it's not on my plan. Maybe I put that on my list for the future, but I'm not focusing on it now and I'm not going to get distracted. Exactly. And then that sixth step is what am I going to, what are my metrics? You don't need to have a lot of metrics, but in each channel that you're focusing on, I think you want to have at least one or two metrics that you can look at at the end of your plan to evaluate, did I make progress? How well did this work? And where did, did we accomplish our goal? Yep. And at the end of the 90 days, you just review it and you go, what worked, what didn't? Wash, rinse, repeat, and move on to your next 90 day plan. I guarantee you, if you do this, you will make more progress than, you, than you've made because every little step is still moving forward. So no matter how small some of these steps may feel at times, it's still progress in a forward direction. Absolutely. So that's the way I look at it. I think a marketing plan, it's, since it's a fundamental, I don't think it changes. I don't think it matters what industry you're in, what verticals you focus on. I think anybody could use a plan like this, this simple six-step plan to help drive their marketing and make it more effective. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I like how comprehensive this is because I think in marketing, you have a lot of people that are speaking to business owners, but the communication is kind of weird because so you need to market your product or service in order to have a business. But yes. then a lot of times marketers come in, but they're not able to uh, communicate the value to business owners. And I think because you have a business background, you communicate in such a way where it's like, oh, I get that. I get that. I get that. Whereas some marketers, they'll say something about like, I don't know, they'll, they'll come up with like some terminology and it's like, um, yeah, I'll pay you to do that. And okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's what we, we all, we all suffer from the curse of knowledge with our own business. Yeah. Right. We, we can't assume it's so easy to get into techno babble and jargon that we think everybody understands. And I, I mean, I fall into that trap sometimes too, because again, I'm, yeah, I'm in it, but I always try and keep in the back of my mind, I can't speak at an eight or a nine. I need to speak at a two or a three. And that's not to, you know, to demean anybody. It's just, we got to keep these concepts simple. I mean, we're dealing with okay. small business owners and entrepreneurs. And if marketing is not their forte, which is totally okay, I need to be able to communicate in such a way that it makes sense and they understand why we're doing things so that they can go off and focus on the highest and best use of their time for their business and feel comfortable and have a good understanding of what's being done from a marketing perspective. Because that's where I think a lot of business owners trip up is they're trying to manage marketing people and they don't know what the hell these people are supposed <laughs> to be doing. doing yeah. Yeah. You know, and they're managing a website person and a social person over here. And then it just becomes disjointed, yeah. um, which is why I think it's so important to come back to those fundamentals. But then I think for most people, for most businesses, it makes sense to have a provider that can manage multiple aspects, if not most of your marketing under one roof, because then you have a single point of contact mm -hmm. and it's just easier. You know, that's not to say that that's the right fit for everybody, but for most small businesses and startups, I think it makes a hell of a lot more sense than spreading out across all kinds of different people. Absolutely. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And when it comes to kind of like we were just talking about, like, you know, that, that communication gap 
how do you help somebody figure figure out how their message should be tailored towards their audience? So like, yeah. uh, I think one of the foundational pieces of marketing was, was messaging. Yeah. Yes. How do you help somebody come up with that messaging? Because I mean, yeah. there's literally millions and millions of words in our vocabulary that we could use at any given time. But is that vo- vocabulary is is the way that you you speak? Can that resonate with the person that you're actually trying to help? Yeah. And I think uh, that's not something that I hear a lot of marketers really talk about. So how do you help somebody come up with that? So I think the if you remember one thing about messaging, it should be this. Be clear, not clever. When we try to get clever and cute with what we say, inevitably we confuse people. And when we confuse them, we lose them. We have very short attention spans. We're so used to getting information at our fingertips immediately that if we, you know, if we visit your website and we can't immediately understand what you do, how it's going to help me and what I need to do to buy it, we're moving on. And so you've got to be clear with your messaging, super important, and you've gotta be consistent. The way we help businesses do this is through a storytelling framework. And I, I didn't create this, but it works. It's from a company called Story Brand by Donald Miller, and it follows a storytelling framework that we are all familiar with. And what we do is we help position with that framework. One, it gives you something to follow, but it gives you a playbook that you can go to each time you create messaging. And if it's not on that paper, you don't use it. Mm -hmm. You gotta, which again, it helps keep your messaging clear and consistent. You're not saying different things all the time because in marketing, we talk about the marketing rule seven, which is people need to see your brand, your message at least seven times before it starts to register. So if the first four times they hear four different things, you're, it's not registering. It's yeah. going to take so much longer for that to happen. And so when we use this framework, which like I said, we're all familiar with, you've got a hero in every story. They have a problem. They meet a guide that gives them a plan calls them to action so they avoid failure and they reach success. If we look at most action movies, think about your most your favorite action movie. I'm sure you can plug those elements in. Absolutely. What we do with this is we position your company as the guide because guides are trusted. Guides have already solved the main character's problem. Your customer is the main character or the hero. They have a problem that needs to be solved and you are the guide that can help them do that. And that's why we use the framework. It just, when I, when I first came across it, when it was first introduced to me, I was like, damn, this is, this is awesome. I love this. It just made sense to me. Yeah, it does. And so I embraced it and it works. You know, I'm not the only marketing company out there that's using it. You know, there's thousands of businesses that have used StoryBrand directly, and there's tons of marketing companies that are using it to help people create clear, engaging messaging that just works. So that's that's how we do it. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, that um, is awesome. I mean, because like, who doesn't love a Disney movie? Like, exactly. everybody loves at least yeah. one Disney movie. Yeah. And when you follow that framework, it's just like, of course you're going to be loved. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And you can just, I mean, like I said, you know, you mentioned Disney. I mean, think of almost any Disney movie. It follows that framework. Mm-hmm. And That's so cool. it's just, people love it. We all love stories too, yep. right? And so when we can invite our customer into a story, where we're the guide that's going to help them, it just makes your messaging that much more impactful and effective. Yeah, definitely. Um, So the next question we had is, how can a small business better their lead generation and then their conversions? 
I'm going to tie it back to what we've already discussed, which is the fundamentals. In order to have good, strong lead generation and to convert a lot of those leads, you have to know who your target market is and you have to have good messaging. If So I'll, I'll, I'll try and unpack this a little bit more. If you're trying to reach everyone, you, you might possibly generate a lot of leads, but you're not going to convert a lot of those leads because they may not be a good fit for you, right? So you may have leads that come in and are like, well, I can't really help those people. But if you've honed in on your target market and you've got great messaging that engages that target market, you're naturally going to generate more leads. You're also naturally going to convert more of those leads because they love what you say. It makes sense to them. And you're attracting the types of people that you do the best work for. So when you've got those two elements in play, you're naturally going to generate more leads and you're naturally going to have much higher conversion. Yeah. And that's really awesome too, because I think, and kind of to get your advice on this, uh, when an entrepreneur is first starting out, do you think that it would be a lot simpler if the entrepreneur that's trying to generate leads and generate sales and things of that nature, do you think it's a lot easier for them to tailor their marketing to uh, almost themselves? Because I feel like you know yourself a lot better than you know other people. And I I, I haven't tested this yet, but uh, I talked to Jasmine. I was like, what if we just start marketing to people who are just like us? <laughs> and, and then I was like, yeah, that, maybe that could work. So uh, what's your thesis on that? Yeah, no, I think that is a great point, Joseph, because a lot of us got into business because we were our own customer. We had a problem. We didn't find, we didn't have a solution. And so we started a business doing it. So it's not uncommon for us to be one of our ideal client types or our ideal client types. So absolutely, you can play off of that. That's a great place to start. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to try it. Uh, yeah. I, I, ho I hope you know yourself best. Right? Yeah, I, I think I do. Or maybe she does. I don't know. One of us do. <laughs> right. So what are three marketing tips that someone could walk away with and implement like today? Because we like to try to do action yep. very quickly because, you know, as people, all of us at some point in time love to procrastinate. Oh, I'm going to get started on that tomorrow. Uh, and I could do that for like weeks on end. So what and is then, like all, And then you get all the information and then you look like that uh, crusty, the Mr. Krabs <laughs> meme where he's like, yeah. like the squirrel. Yes. <laughs> so what are three things uh, somebody could start to just implement today? Simple things uh, in order to basically start marketing themselves or their company better. Yep. I, so you're preaching to the choir. I'm a recovering perfectionist. So we've, I think we have to take imperfect action. It's never going to be perfect. You got to get out there, take action and learn from it. Outside of the fundamentals that we've talked about, which I think are critical. Once you have those nailed down, I think there's there's a few things that are that are very low hanging fruit for most businesses. One is your website. If your website is fo if the messaging on your website is focused on you, how great you are as a company, you need to update your homepage and focus on your customers. How you help your customers solve the problems that they have and help them get from where they currently are to where they want to be. Most of the messaging on your homepage should focus on your customers and not you. So that's one. Because your website is the hub of all your marketing. Everything goes back there. So if your website is not right, 
your marketing is going to suffer from that. So getting your website right, having good messaging, I would rather have a website that is not as pretty, but has better messaging than something that looks great. There's all kinds of great websites out there that look cool, but they don't say a damn thing or they confuse people and they're gone. So err on the side of much better messaging than better design. But I think there's a happy medium there. Two, email marketing is very low hanging fruit for a lot of businesses. Can tell you how many people we talk to that are like, they've been in business five years, 10 years. They got, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of past customers and they're not emailing them on a consistent basis. Email marketing is super inexpensive. You know, for a list of 500 people, it's going to cost you less than $20 a month. Yeah. And it is a great way to nurture prospects, to, to stay top of mind and add value to your prospects and your existing customers. So absolutely, absolutely take advantage of that. The last one, again, very low hanging fruit for most businesses is online reviews. Online reviews are super important in most consumers' decision-making process. If you do not have a high quantity and a high quality of reviews, you are losing business and you don't even know it. So you've got to put a process in place to consistently ask for reviews, to make it easy for people to leave you a review, and then look at, monitor what's being said and respond to your reviews. You do that, it's not difficult. You just gotta put the process in place. And over time, you will continue to build up your reviews, which will help your business. It's hard to track, because you don't know when somebody sees you online, they go, ugh, they have five reviews and their competitor has 250. You can't track that, but I guarantee you it's happening. Absolutely. Probably. For sure. Um, so a question I just thought of, a quick question is, um, you said to be consistent in email marketing. Yeah. Um, so what is consistent? Does that vary or do you, is that like usually like weekly or monthly? Y- y- it varies. So again, depending on your target market, I think what's, what's important is that you find a cadence that works for you and it works for your target market. Um, I'm of the opinion, I mean, there are some lists that I'm on, I get daily emails, you know, and most people go, you know, they cringe, but they know their target market. Do I read every one of those? No, I don't. But there's enough value in those where I'm okay with getting those on a daily basis. I think for a lot of businesses, weekly or every couple weeks is probably a good good happy medium. I don't think monthly is is enough. That's just my personal opinion. And But again, it does depend. But I would say in general, as a rule of thumb, I think weekly and or twice a month is a good cadence. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So we covered um, a lot on this podcast. We did. Um, so what is the number one takeaway that you want someone to walk away with? Don't forget about the fundamentals. If you skip them, skip them at your own risk, but you're going to come back to the fundamentals at some point. And so I'd rather have you focus on them now, get them in place, and then start to get focus on more of the tactical day-to-day things that you're going to do from a marketing perspective. But if you jump into the tactics first, um, it's going to be really hard. Absolutely. I agree. Mm -hmm. So you're on the Abundant Culture podcast, and we feel the need to ask this question to everybody who comes on because we always get very unique and good answers. And the question is, uh, whether it be in your personal life, your business, or even spiritually, how do you like to spread abundance? From a business perspective, we give away as much of our best and most valuable information as we possibly can. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, come from more of a scarcity mindset who go, oh my God, you're going to give away your best information. But the thing is, it's just, you're just adding value to people and trying to help people. And I'm going to tell you, inevitably, there are some people that can take that information and run with it 
and do their thing. And if they can, great, more power to them. But what happens with most people is they just get into it. And even though you provide the information, everything you need is online, right? They get into it and they struggle, right? They struggle to connect the dots or they just go, I don't have the time for this. I need to bring somebody in. So even if you give away your best stuff, you are still going to naturally do business with people. And frankly, they're going to appreciate it more because you've been open, honest, tried to help people. And they come back and go, man, you gave me this information. I need your help. I can't do this myself, you know? So there's plenty of business out there. The people that can run with it and do their thing, cool. I helped you. That makes me feel good. The people that can't use that information that still need the help, great. We're still here to help you. So that's my approach. Absolutely. Awesome. I think that's awesome. Yep. Yeah. And for the person, they think you're awesome and maybe they just want to have a <laughs> conversation with you. Maybe they want you on their podcast. Maybe they yeah. want to work with you. How can they get into contact with you or your team? The easiest place to go is our website, which is rialtomarketing.com. That's R-I-A-L-T-O marketing.com. I also set up a page specifically for the Abundant Culture listeners that have some free tools. Again, I got, I, I got to practice what I preach, right? I just said I got to give out my best information. So if they go to rialtomarketing.com forward slash abundant dash culture, there's some free resources there that touch on and help support the fundamentals that we discussed. So that's the best place to go, our website. We put out a ton of content. We've got a weekly Facebook Live that goes into a podcast. So there's all kinds of great information there that, that can help them not only from a marketing perspective, but just being a business owner, growth, business tips, mindset, all that kind of stuff. That is awesome. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for coming onto the podcast and giving us a wealth of knowledge because this was great. I mean, we learned a lot ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's awesome. Uh, Joseph and Jasmine, thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. So that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you got as much value out of this as we did. Keep in mind, the only way we can improve is through constructive feedback. So remember to rate and review this episode. Also, you are not the only person that needs to know this super valuable information. So be sure to subscribe and share as well. Stay tuned for the next episode and remember to always spread abundance. Peace.